When it comes to names of action heroes in this world, we have some fantastic ones. Think about that just for a second. Rambo, Rocky, Conan, the Terminator, Han Solo, James Bond, Luke Skywalker. Those are incredible names, right? There's one from the movie True Grit, John Wayne's character. I don't even know how they came up with this name. Rooster Cogburn. Rooster Cogburn, how do you even create that? But that is, that is an action hero's name. Of course, the best one is the name that's actually not made up for a movie. It's a real person's name, Chuck Norris. That is an action hero. We're going to add one more to the list this morning. One from history, a real name, Ehud. Now, I know what you're thinking, Ehud, that doesn't sound like a name that strikes fear into people. That's not a name that brings a whole lot of passion. And maybe that makes sense because Ehud may not have been that person, but he was a hero. And maybe just that truth about him draws all the more attention to the fact of God doing incredible things in his life. We find Ehud in a regular moment in the book of Judges, in the Old Testament, Judges chapter 3. Now we say regular because it was regular, it's a regular moment for the book of Judges, meaning God's people had, had kind of turned away, they'd forgotten God, they weren't following him, and so God allows them to fall un, under the rule of a neighboring nation, this time the Moabites. We see the cycle happen, right? And, and so this time, they, they're in this moment where they're under the persecution and the rule of others for 18 years, and finally they remember God and they call out for his help. And this is before Israel had kings to lead them. So because of God's love and his grace and his mercy, he sends a deliverer, a judge, to lead them in this time of trouble. In this case, God sends Ehud. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, God above, as we look at the life and decisions of Ehud and we, we recognize the truth of his decision to step out in faith for you, God, we recognize our own moment in history and our own possible weaknesses and fears and things in this world that hold us back. And God, we ask that you would overflow our hearts and our lives with faith in you and with the truth of being your wonderful creation. Bless us in this conversation and in this time, God. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our guess is that no one really looked at Ahud and saw a hero. We're introduced to Ehud in the Bible, and when we are, it's said that he's a left-handed man from the tribe of Benjamin. Now, a few things stick out there. First, a left-handed man from Benjamin, Benjamin, which, which, re, which means son of my right hand. But Ehud wasn't just left-handed. In fact, the true description, when you look at the Hebrew word, doesn't really address his left hand. It actually addressed his right hand, and, it, and that the real translation of Hebrew doesn't say he was left-handed. It says that his right hand was restricted, that it was limited in some way. My guess is that there's something hurt about his right arm. That's our best guess, is that Ehud had, had a hurt, a limitation for his right arm. Either way, we do know that at this day and age in their fighting style, with, of course, a, a shield and a sword, Ehud didn't quite fit into that. So maybe in their own way of saying that he was limited in this was just saying, like, he didn't fit their regular mold. He didn't, he didn't fit what they think that a, that a hero, that an that a armor, that a, someone who's strong and, and mighty and a warrior should really be, right? Ehud, left-handed, limited Ehud. He is God's deliverer. This moment in history begins because Ehud is selected to take a tribute, basically an offering or a tax to Eglon, the king of Moab, the, the people who are ruling over the Israelites at this time. 
We guess that in this day and age, Ehud is, is very likely looked down as someone who is, is broken, who's flawed, who doesn't fit in. I actually wonder if he wasn't selected to take this tribute, to do this job, because he was the guy who's at the low end of the totem pole, right? He's the guy who they're like, well, who's not a threat, right? Who's safe to do this? Well, that's, that's Ehud. Let's send him. And so this mundane, embarrassing task, yeah, they send Ehud. Of course, it always amazes me. I think we can all be amazed by the people that God chooses to use. God chose Ehud because in many ways, Ehud is me. In many ways, he's you. Ehud is all of us. Ehud is, is the way we have all looked at ourselves from time to time. We don't know the full situation surrounding Ehud. Did he possess a true physical limitation or was this psychological or spiritual? For us, I don't think it matters. In fact, we shouldn't try to compare our hurts. I, I once saw some people argue over, over which, which was worse, something said or something done. Can we all agree that they both, they all hurt and they can all make us feel broken? We all have hurts and brokenness, and maybe this is most relevant to us right now because we live in a world that feels broken and we feel limited, restrained, and defined by it. Please hear my words with grace as I try to explore with kindness, this with kindness for all our situations. When we think about our identity, about who we are, what defines us, it is so easy to allow our brokenness, our flaws, be they physical, spiritual, emotional, relational, circumstantial, whatever to define us. And I don't know about you, but I know in myself there can be a draw. A draw that when things don't go the way that I, I feel are right, when, when things aren't right, when they're not perfect, when there's a mistake, when I'm just off, there is a draw to, to magnify my own imperfections. Life often builds that way, doesn't it? For me, it happens easily in a church weekend. If things don't go quite the way that I think they should, there's that, that, that natural pull in my life, that draw that starts to say to me, you're not enough, you failed, you're weak. And it's so easy to let that spread into the rest of my life. You probably wanna know my biggest insecurity. Why wouldn't you wanna know, right? My biggest insecurity. Let's share that in this moment right now. My biggest insecurity is probably as a father. It's just there and it's natural as a father. When my, when my children just in some way they are struggling, the truth is I don't look at them and, and think anything wrong with them and there is nothing wrong with them but it is so easy as a father, as a parent to think that there's something wrong with me. Say I'm a poor husband, a bad father, a waste of a person. There is that draw, right? It pulls at my heart, at my identity. It tells me that I'm not enough, that I'm broken, that I am flawed. All that is wrong comes to the surface. All that is broken stands out in me. Worst of all, my identity is in question. It is placed in all that is wrong. I don't know about you, but I know that I fight this battle all the time. But here is our hope and understanding. For me and for you, for Ehud, and for every person a part of God's creation, those flaws, those weaknesses, those hurts from our past, that is not where our identity is found. They do not define us. So Ehud takes this delivery, this tribute to the king of the Moabites, to Eglon. 
there are others with him. The tribute is probably all kinds of goods and supplies. So it takes a team to make this happen. Now, a heads up, of course, the Old Testament is at times rather blunt and straightforward. And this passage in Judges is, is one of those moments, right? They arrive and they meet Eglon, who is described in very unflattering terms. We'll say that he is a very large man. They even slightly refer to his excessive use of the bathroom. And, and it's not flattering, but maybe that's right for this man because he is someone we find to be jealous and greedy and all about himself. And so as a king who is spoiled on food and vanity and, and maybe has some toilet issues, that, this probably makes sense. The tribute is delivered and the team, Ehud and all, they, they turn and they begin their return journey. But on the return journey, Ehud, he passes something that just triggers something in him. They pass some stone images near a place called Gilgal. Now, we don't know what Ehud specifically reacts to here. Probably, he saw something. There is a chance that in this moment, he's just, he, he had this all planned, and this was just a part of that plan. But most likely, he came to this place, and he saw something. Possibly, he saw the 12 stones that were set up by Joshua as a reminder of God's power, God's faithfulness, and his provision. And that, of course, triggered something in him. Possibly Ehud saw stone images that were made by the Moabites to false gods in this sacred and special place to Israel, and that triggered something in him. Possibly he passed stone quarries in this area where maybe Israelites were laboring for their Moabite rulers, and of course that triggered something. He could have seen a lot of things. Maybe he saw all of that. Maybe it was nothing, but something inside him stirred, and he recognized this was not a time to dwell on his own brokenness and flaws. This was a time to remember what God could and would do. And so Ahud left the other Israelites and went back to face the king of Moab. Ahud probably had a lot of reasons why he shouldn't do anything in this situation. Most of us, we have many, many reasons why we don't live like we could. Many reasons why we don't step up for God, step out for others, step out and live in love. Many reasons why we let life slip, the reasons they are abundant. We say things to ourselves like, I act this way because it's, it's just the way I am. I say these certain things that are maybe hurtful because it's my personality, it's my flaws, it's, it's how I was raised, it's, it's my legacy, it's, it's my history. I've made mistakes, I've dug a hole in life, i dug a hole too deep. I can't do much, do more, won't be much because I am broken, I'm a failure, I am flawed. We recognize this, if our identity is found in our weaknesses, in our failures, our mistakes, our separations, we will always have reasons to not accomplish something great. I was reminded this week of retired U.S. soccer goalie Tim Howard. You may not know that name, and that's okay, but in the U.S. soccer world, this is the best goalie that we have ever had. He was famous for, for making 16 saves in one World Cup knockout game. I knew he overcame some moments in his career, but I found that there was more amazingness to his story, including living with obsessive-compulsive disorder and Tourette's syndrome, all the while being this amazing, incredible goalie. So maybe this year or this number of years for us, this moment in our lives, this moment in history where we find ourselves at has been disappointing. 
if you want, I am sure that life will hand you reasons to shut down. But I want you to know that that doesn't define you and it isn't your identity. Real faith in God can do incredible things in our lives. Real faith in God in our lives doesn't allow disappointment, failures, and flaws to stop us from living for him. Faith in God, faith in who God made us to be, pushes fights, and it claws through these walls and barriers in our lives. I encourage you to not let them hold you back. We as a church and community cannot allow these things to hold us back. Our faith tells us that something good can and will happen, that God has plans for us, and that are that your future is bright. Isaiah 40, 28 to 31, listen to these words. It says, do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of who? The power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Our identity is not found in our flaws and in our weaknesses, in our past or in our failures. Yours isn't, mine isn't, ours isn't, Ahud's wasn't. Ahud Ahud turned and he, he went back to face the king of Moab. As he entered the king's presence, he said that he had a secret message for the king. The king was interested Knowing that Ahud passed this famous region, maybe this message was from God. Now remember what we know about this king. It's probably why the Bible has to describe him in such unflattering terms and set this picture of him that is is just not a, a, a gracious look at a person, but we recognize it has to be said because we recognize his selfishness, right? His jealousy, his greed. So the king looks over Ahud and he thinks to himself, this guy doesn't look dangerous, He was possibly limited. He didn't appear to be armed in any normal way that fits their community or regular standards in the world at that time. This guy appeared to be no threat at all. What could this guy, what could Ahud do to me? Classically judging a book by its cover, allowing his greed to speak. And so in his greed, in his distrusting nature, the king asked all of his attendants to leave. If this guy has some special news, no one else can hear this but me. I have to be the one to hear this. And so he dismisses them all. We're told that Ehud approached the king, stating he had a message from God, and perhaps he did. But we may not know, what we may not know about the people of the tribe of Benjamin in Israel is that while they are called the son of the right hand, some of them famously have actually become very proficient with their left hand. By his grace, God had put Ahud in whatever limitation he may have had in the very exact place where it could be overcome, it could be used in many ways. That limitation could become a powerful blessing. Ahud had fashioned a long knife with a double edge, which he strapped to his right thigh under clothing where no one would see and expect, hidden but easily accessible to someone proficient with their left hand. In that moment, we recognize this. Ahud would not be defined by his flaws or his limitations. Ahud allowed nothing to stop how God could use him and what could come of his life. Ahud had faith and he believed. And that day, he won his people their salvation, their freedom. Now you recognize that the story isn't over. 
but you can guess what happened. In a rather gruesome way, Ehud's knife disappears and the evil king is dead. Ehud escapes, and some translate the escape. This is a moment that only true history in the Bible can bring to us, right? He escapes from a porch, possibly. Others say that he escaped through a latrine. That's right, through the toilet. They actually expect that the king, it was natural for him to spend a long time on the toilet, and so no one, no one guesses where the king is. They just imagine everything's all right, and it gives Ehud this time to escape, and he escapes into the mountains, and with a mighty blast of a trumpet, Ehud calls together the Israelites, and he leads them to victory over Moab. They find their freedom, and they actually have 80 years of peace. How? How does that happen? Because remember this. God turned Ahud's insecurity into a possibility, and he will for you as well. God took Ahud's limitation, and he used it to bring about his people's salvation. He wants to use you to bring salvation to the people in your life as well. God used an imperfect person who found his identity not in his limitations, but in, in his God and who his God created him to be. Who his God created him to be. Ehud knew this truth so wonderfully put into words by King David in Psalm 139, 13 to 15. For you, God, formed my inmost parts. You, knit me, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden for you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Here are some things that we know about our reality and our world. We know this. We know that we live in a fallen world. And so, yes, our bodies are not perfect. Our decisions are not always ideal. Our pasts are often regrettable. We may at times feel broken and flawed, but none of that defines us. None of that defines you. God did not make any mistake with any of us, and please hear this, God did not make a mistake with you. Our futures and our identities are, if anything, not restricted by these things in our lives, but absolutely with God, they are heightened and empowered and made more wonderful. What do we recognize from Ehud and from God that doesn't define us, that doesn't define you? These things do not define us. Our bodies, our reflection in a mirror, our shape, our physical conditions, our bank account, our status, and our positions in this world. Furthermore, our past, our mistakes, our broken relationships, our failures at home, at church, and at work. Here is what we know truly, truly defines us. And I encourage you to grasp these as your definition of yourself and your identity. What defines us? We are God's wonderful creation. You are. While our flaws exist here on earth, God neither judges us by them or is limited by them. God uses imperfect people who seek to find their identity in him and his being and being his creation. Our identity was never meant to be about what we can do, how we are seen, and what we can achieve. It is always, our identity is always about what God can do, how God sees us, and what he has and will achieve through us. You are God's wonderful creation.
when I was asked to bring a message this weekend, I was asked to offer hope and encouragement. And that, that brought me to this passage. It was this scripture that God laid and placed on my heart. This is an odd piece of scripture. It is an odd piece of scripture. One that gives me moments where I cringe a little bit. I debated if, if we should read this passage or, or if we should read it in full and I wasn't sure how it, this would make us feel and what this would trigger in each and every one of us and our feelings and I recognized that. But I know this, our world is broken, it always has been and for any number of reasons, you may feel broken and flawed right now. But all of that brokenness in your life, in our world, all of it offers opportunities for God and his grace to do something incredible in and through his wonderful creation. We know this truth. In a broken world comes wonderful opportunity. Know this in your life. You were made for this moment. God in his grace has tailored the world around you for you to step out for him. And so I encourage you, go believe and bring salvation to the world around you. Father in heaven, God above, God, I ask that you would not allow us to be defined by any limitations, flaws, mistakes in our lives. God, that is not who we are. We do not claim that for ourselves. God, you have made us and your creations are wonderful. Fill us with that truth. May we recognize how you worked through Ahud's life and his journey and how you can work through ours as well. Fill us with that truth. And as Ahud brought salvation to his people, God, may we recognize that you are ready and willing and wanting to bring your salvation to the world around us through us. God, may our limitations, may those things about us that we look at that we don't like, God, turn them into our strengths. May the things that, that in many ways people identify with us most, being our weaknesses, God, may they come alive in us and be used to further your kingdom in this world. And God, if we own anything, may we own the fact that you are great and you are good and you have wonderful plans for our lives. Bless us in that, God. Fill us with encouragement through the individuals, the families, this church and community represented, God. I ask that you would move and your salvation would reign. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.